Yo, what is going on, beautiful people? Welcome to a brand new episode of the Quarterly Report Podcast, episode 156. Of course, I am your host, Armand Lee, thanking each and every one of you all for rocking with me for another episode this week. I'm fully recharged, man. It's so funny. We took off last week celebrating my sister's birthday. Shout out to my sister. I love you very much. And I started to get the itch, Slim. I started to get the itch to come right back. I told y'all I was going to be off for a week, and I damn near gave y'all an extra episode. But I was like, you know what? Let me just go ahead enjoy this week off so I can come back even stronger than ever. And there's a lot to discuss. The motherfucking rock. Fucking the rock. The people's champion, Rocky Maivia. He done fucked around and and part owner of the XFL. (laughs) Yo, it... I don't even have the words, so I'm going to try to think of the words before the second quarter where we discuss just the the amazing career arc of Dwayne The Rock Johnson, all right? That's in the second quarter. Plus, all throughout quarantine, I've been talking about how COVID-19 has impacted or will continue to impact in many ways how we watch, consume sports, but it's another industry that has piqued my interest this week. All of that is so much more. But first, our number one topic this week. First quarter. We have this conversation every single year in the NBA. Oftentimes, actually not even often, we have it twice. If you listen to this podcast, if you're you're familiar with this podcast, in January we had this very conversation, a little bit different when it came to the all-star selection process, right? And typically, six months later, the All-NBA conversation pops back up, and we have the, almost the same conversation again. This year was a bit different, so we're eight months in, and we're having the conversation. But the fact remains, voting for NBA honors is not easy. It's not. And I like to think, and I could be wrong on this regard. in this regard. I could be. But I like to think that we are all reasonably intelligent individuals, with reasonable amounts of patience and understanding and perspective that even when we get caught up in an emotional conversation, because look, this is what makes the NBA so beautiful. It's what makes the NBA so magnetic. You don't have these conversations in most other sports and these heated and and passionate conversations about league honors. You understand? Like the in all pro in the NFL, you don't have this. Maybe in one position, like a receiver or something, but typically there's not this heated debate. You get more debate for like the, the NFL 100, a silly list, than you do with the actual NFL honors awards at the end of the year. You feel me? But the NBA, this, this dominates conversation all year round almost. Like I said, two times basically in a year, beginning in the middle of the year. But it's important that we can all take a breath, take a beat, take a step back, and then kind of look like, yo, picking 15 players in the NBA at the end of the season, it's tough. And depending on whatever your criteria is, yeah, some guys who would be as deserving as others, if not more, they're not going to make the list. It's not a matter of market size. 
It's not a matter of, oh, man, media is lying, all this other dumb stuff, man. Sometimes it is about wins and losses, for sure. Sometimes it is about how big your uh, raw stat totals are, for sure. There is no perfect solution, not at all. So, you know, many of you all know I used to work for the home, the, the, the television home for the Washington Wizards. Spent a lot of time, still to this day, paying attention to this team. This, this, I've invested too much time and energy into this team, into this franchise, into many of these players. I enjoy them, and I want to see them succeed. And in the past, or through this process, I have been dead-ass wrong. Y'all know where I'm going with this. Y'all know by now. Anytime I talk about Bill, I mentioned it last podcast, I believe. Anytime I talk about him, Bradley Bill, I have to say, right? It's it's the it's as a man of integrity, I'm forced to say it. Not even really forced, but I choose to always say it because I want people to know, dog. Everybody who talks about hoops is wrong at some point, and it's okay. I was dead ass wrong about Bradley Bill, and I will live with that every day that I talk about him. Bradley Bell has transformed through his sheer determination, his focus, his professionalism, his desire to be the best player he can be. He has transformed himself into a phenomenal basketball player. Excuse me, phenomenal basketball player, and has cemented his position specifically this year as an All NBA candidate. That is without question. That does not then mean that he is 100% deserving of the award because 15 players in the NBA, that shit's tough. It's hard to pick 15. And it's fun to get into the debates. I get it. I understand it. But, dog, we got to just chill out a little bit. But what am I talking about? If you all are not familiar, about a week and a half ago, Zach Lowe, uh, a very talented writer, um, and podcaster, someone who has an amazing influence in this league, someone who's very talented, though I don't necessarily agree with a lot of his perspective. He went on, uh, had an article in the pod, and he's talking about his ballots. Um, for his all, he is a voter. He has an all NBA vote. And he left Bradley Bill off the vote. And man, Wizards Twitter erupted. Erupted. You would have thought that he was. You know what I'm saying? Like calling somebody out their name. And two things. The easiest thing, number one, Zach Lowe is one voter. He's one voter. No one thought that Bradley Bill was going to be first team all NBA. The biggest Wizards fan in the world did not think Bradley Bill was going to be first team all NBA. You want to know the people who probably will be unanimous selections? Giannis, LeBron, Anthony Davis, you know, like, there's some, I mean, I don't even know if James Harden would be a unanimous selection to all NBA honors. You understand what I'm saying? Like, so, like, that's, that's a that's a, a rarefied air. No one thought, and this is no disrespect to Brad, but no one thought that he was going to be first team all NBA. No one thought that he was going to be a unanimous selection. So, the fact that Zach Lowe, though he is very influential, left Beal off his list, that's nothing to really get up in arms about. Because you knew, you had to know, if we're being realistic, you had to know that this was going to be a difficult year to punch a ticket in. It just, you have to know that. And that leads me to my second point on the matter. Have y'all looked 
Have y'all honestly looked at the players who are almost shoe-ins or close to shoe-ins to be selected All-NBA? Cause when, and, and, and then notice that there's this new rule where like wing players, right? You saw a lot with Tatum. Tatum is listed as a power forward, but because he plays on the wing, he has the ball in his hands to start the offensive possession more times than not, he will then be allowed to be selected as a quote-unquote wing selection, right? This has been in the making for years now. When LeBron went to Miami and they talked about positionless basketball, that was pretty much the dawn of this new era. I mean, you look, again, look at teams like Toronto. Excuse me. Look at teams like uh, the Celtics. You have all of these guys, 6'6", six, 6'7", six, 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 And the 6'8 guys are the most skilled guys on the floor. Like, I mean, yeah, he may be listed as a power forward, but by all intents and purposes, he's not. DeMar DeRozan is playing power forward now in San Antonio. I don't know if y'all been looking at So we get so caught up in, oh, well, he's a power forward. He's listed as a... They did it with Jimmy Butler. Jimmy Butler was a, a forward for the all-star selection. When everybody knows that he was the two guard in Miami, everybody knows that. But the NBA is correcting itself. And uh, dog, it's, you either evolve or die. Don't spend so much energy getting upset at something that is a natural progression. We see it every single game. But back to why this conversation or this decision is so tough. Again, Bradley Bill may very well make the All-NBA team this year. And if he did, he deserved it. 100%. But let's also not act like there's something wrong with voters if he doesn't make it. Because, Slim, look at this year. I'm going to run down. I'm not even, let's start at the top. And when we say the top in the NBA, we know what we're talking about. We're talking about LeBron. LeBron James may very well be selected as a guard. The man led the league in assists this year. Okay? LeBron James plays like a point. We know it. LeBron James, his whole career basically has been the, a point guard. But because he's 6'8", six, 6'9", six, I mean, shit, that's been a power forward for pretty much 89% of the history of this league. But he's a small forward. That's where he's positioned. But he may very well make it on the All-NBA roster as a guard. If he does, hello, that makes it that makes this even harder for Brad to make it, right? So let's just put LeBron to the side. Maybe LeBron makes it as a guard. Maybe he makes it as a front-court player. I don't know. But we all know he's going to make it, and he's going to make first team. Let's just move him to the side. Let's go through all the players in the league who are either shoe wins front court i'm not even doing backcourt players let's go through all the front court players who are either shoe wins or damn near close to it and then while also keeping in mind that the nba and the all nba voting this year they're doing the swing position so you may be listed as a small four but could still make it as a wing player same with tatum who's been listed as a power four but essentially is their two guard right we know that if you watch them play jalen brown is not he's not the lead offensive guard or wing player for Boston. We know that. We know it ain't even Kimba. We know who it is. So, it, with that in mind, let's go through front court players who either are shoe wings or are very, very close to, right? Obviously, we're going to start with the guy who's probably going to win MVP, Giannis. And again, we're leaving LeBron off to the side. We're not even going to talk about him. So, we have Giannis. 
front court player. Boom. Anthony Davis. We know he's making it. Front court player. Boom. Nikola Jokic. We know he's making it. Front court player. Boom. I'd put Rudy Gobert as a shoe-in. And then maybe you want to argue that. Utah right now is the fourth seed in the Western Conference. But maybe you want to be like, nah, man, Rudy ain't going to make it. Okay, if Rudy doesn't make it, guess who will make it? You will be 100% foolish to think that the Utah Jazz will not have an all-NBA representative, representative this year. If Rudy don't make it, Donovan Mitchell makes it. And if Donovan Mitchell makes it, it's pretty much almost impossible for Bradley Bill to make it. You understand? So I got Rudy, and I'm biased. Rudy's one of my best, my favorite players in this league, or the player, one of the players I think are the best in this league. But look at the, I mean, like you understand his dominance. If you don't, and you got to look a little bit deeper in basketball. I think he's a shoe-in. Chris Middleton, shoe-in. 50-40-90 is historical. Well, I score over 20 points. Like, it don't happen that much. Shoe-in. Kawhi. Shoeing, that's six. That's six players right there who I think, front court players, who I think, bong, 100% will make the all-NBA team. I'm not done yet. Joel Embiid, I don't think there's a doubt. And if there is a doubt, if Joel makes it, guess if Joel Embiid does not make the all-NBA team, you guessed it, guess who does? <laughs> ben Simmons. And if Ben Simmons makes it, then that makes it almost impossible for Brad to make it. You look at what Joel does, front court player, what he does on the offensive end of the floor, what he does on the defensive end of the floor. There just aren't many guys like him. So what's that, seven? Now we got Pascal Siakam. I think it's a shoe when he makes it, personally. But if he doesn't, again, look at what Toronto was doing this year. And we're going to talk about Kawhi this year, um, and his impact in the fourth quarter. But just look at what happened. Kawhi, without question, one of the best players in this league. He goes, Toronto seemingly gets better. The players, the young players who Kawhi left, who all some, somehow took a step last year, they continue to, to, pro to progress without him. And again, if Pascal Siakam does not make the all-NBA team, guess what? Guess who does? Kyle Lowry. And just like with Ben Simmons, and just like with Donovan Mitchell, if Kyle Lowry makes the All-NBA team, Bradley Beal does not. So I've listed eight front court players who, in my opinion, 100% make the All-NBA team. And again, this is not even taken into consideration LeBron James. But then you're like, okay, so this, this two, you, you know, we got eight. There's 15 spots, so, you know, seven guard spots. Okay, cool. But then I'm not done yet, though. That's the thing. I'm not done yet. Those eight players, I feel, are shoe-ins, personally. In some form or fashion, they're front court players. But then you got the two players like Jimmy Butler and Jason Tatum. I think it's... At this point, I'm 100% confident that Jason Tatum makes the All-NBA team. Number one, the boy's a monster. That's just easy. And then number two, he plays for the Celtics. And then number three, the Celtics have one of the best records in the league. So no one else on Boston's roster is All-NBA worthy. I think Tatum 100% is. And I think most people would agree when you look at what he does offensively, what he, looks, what he does defensively. 
And if you consider him a shoo-in or close to a shoo-in as possible, that's nine. And then you have Jimmy Butler. And it's weird where Jimmy Butler exists in terms of respect in the NBA world. Because I think writers and coaches have the utmost respect for Jimmy Butler. With fans, because his game isn't so pretty and it's not refined and so much of his impact does come on the, on the defensive end, he gets overlooked a lot. But when you look at wherever Jimmy Butler goes, that team improves immediately. It's four years in a row now, bro. Jimmy Butler from Chicago to Minnesota to Philadelphia to Miami. The moment he gets to a team, they are significantly better. And the team that he leaves has a drop-off. Philadelphia is the only team who has seen Jimmy Butler walk out the door and has still maintained some level of competitiveness. And that's because they have two of the best players in the league without him. But even they fell off. In Miami, and it's not all Jimmy's fault, or not his fault, or to his credit, they have a lot of young players who took natural progressions. But I don't believe in coincidence. So when you see all of these young players in Miami all of a sudden hit a step, like take a step forward, take leaps, and defensively they're better, even though they've always been a good defensive team. And then now they go from out of the playoffs to fight it for home court. How do you not have, how do you not recognize that impact? Does he have the, the pretty and the gaudy individual numbers? No, he doesn't. But I like to think in 2020, the end for quote unquote information age, we don't just look at per game statistics to, to, to evaluate a player's impact. But again, that's me. I think, I think I would bet the house on Tatum making an all NBA team. Jimmy, not so much, but I think his chances at making an all-NBA team are greater than most. So that's 10 players I named. One guy is kind of shaky a bit, but I think he is more likely than not to make the all-NBA team. That's 10. 10 players. Front court players. And now we'll add on LeBron James. So we have four spots for legit guards. Four. You see how hard this decision is? And then let's even make it even more tough. We know James Harden and Luka Doncic are shoo-ins. When it comes to sure things, those two guys are sure things. Don't know if Luka makes the first team because, again, I don't know if LeBron is going to be uh, voted in as a guard or a forward. But Luka's in. So that means we have 13 spots already selected maybe 12 depending on how you feel with jimmy so that means we have two or three positions opened and again it just depends on what you value do you do you prioritize the 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 huge individual numbers do you prioritize defense do you prioritize winning no none of the answers are wrong but it does speak to how difficult a selection is. So let's say Jimmy Butler doesn't make it. Let's just say you have three spots for guards because we already know that Luka and Harden are making it. I think Chris Paul is a sure thing. Again, impact and defense, but what? How, and, and clutch time shots, whatever you want to break it down. 
Look at what Oklahoma City Thunder, look at what they're doing right now. And yeah, they have a lot of talented players, but again, I don't believe in coincidence. I don't believe that all of these talented players all of a sudden are playing their best basketball and are competing, right? And are playing better than they did last year when they had a former MVP and a former All-NBA player and Paul George and Russell Westbrook leave. You understand? Chris Paul is absolutely making an All-NBA team. So now you either have one spot or two spots left. And look at the and look at the people who are then left for you to decide from. Damian Lillard, Russell Westbrook, obviously Bradley Bill. And I'm not naming in order of people who I think should make it, but I'm just, just spitballing, freestyling, right? So you have Brad, you have Dane, you have Russ, you have Kyle Lowry, you have Ben Simmons, you have Donovan Mitchell, and you have Devin Booker. You have seven guys for either one or two spots. And we go right back to what we're talking about. What do you value more? Bradley Beal's individual season in terms of per game numbers and raw stats are better than all of those players. 36 and five or something like that. That's nothing to, to dismiss. He had a phenomenal year. But his, his numbers are better than Lucas. Is he, you know, he scored more points than Luca. Do you think he deserves to make it over Luca? Because I don't. You think he deserves to make it over Chris Paul? I don't. And his numbers are better than Chris's. So how do you balance? It's a sliding scale. How do you do raw total numbers, individual numbers? And how do you do impact? How do you do defensive impact? Like how do, what, what? Do you prioritize more? I think Bradley Bill is better or had a better. I'll make it a perfect example. I think Ben Simmons is a better basketball player than Bradley Bill. Bradley Bill's season was better than Ben Simmons. Only, and, and, and I feel that way because Ben missed a lot of time uh, due to injury. But impact, you know, impact. Ben Simmons does a lot more on the basketball floor than Bradley Beal does. Again, this is not me hating Brad. I think he should be an all-NBA um, award winner this season over Ben. But it just lets you know the difficult decision that lies ahead. When they say they had the thing on the on the television the other day that Russell Westbrook scored like 30 points in 33 straight games or something since you. Once Russell, they kind of shifted their kind of philosophy in Houston and Russ stopped shooting so many shots and he started just attacking. The Rockets kind of trajectory changed immediately. Russell Westbrook did that. He had that much of an impact on his team. That type of shit matters, bro. So when everybody gets so upset about Bradley Beal being left off or uh, disrespected for all NBA team on one man's ballot, mind you. Like, let's kind of just hit, like, just put our foot over the brake real quick. You don't have to stop on it. You don't have to, to, to slam the brakes. But just ease on the brake. Hold on. 
Let's kind of look at what we're doing right now because there are so many talented players in the league. Hell, don't I didn't even say John Morant. We know how impactful he's been. And again, I'm not saying that he should deserves it over Brad. But a rookie comes in, takes a team who missed the playoffs, who had the second pick of the draft, and they're now at least in the driver's seat of making the postseason. Like, all of that means something. It may not mean as much as averaging 30 points per game to you, but you'd be foolish to think that it doesn't mean something to other people. It sucks that it has to be Brad. And again, I'm not confident that Brad doesn't make the All-NBA team. I think he has just as good of a shot as those other people who, who were, like, left off. I think he has, again, personally, I think Jimmy Butler has a better shot at making it than Brad because obviously Brad or Jimmy can make it as a backcourt player or a frontcourt player. But I think Brad has just as good a shot as Kyle Lowry, Ben Simmons, Donovan Mitchell. He has a better shot at making it than Devin Booker. Uh, he has just as good of a shot as making it as Dame, in my opinion, and just as good of a shot as making it as Russ, as crazy as that may sound. So he's right there. His phenomenal season has put him in that. Listen to the, the, the company he's keeping. Damian Lillard, Russell Westbrook, Kyle Lowry, Ben Simmons. Like, no one's disrespecting Bradley Beal. He's in that company. Chris Paul, even. He's in that company. This is nothing to be upset about. But it's a reality of the situation. Dog, it's hard as fuck to make it into the All-NBA honors. And it's even, even, it's even more difficult to do it when your team has 25, 26 wins. And look, you could check the tape. Because so many people will be like, oh man, well, DeMarcus Cousins made All-NBA when he was on the Kings not winning. He shouldn't have. And I've been saying it for years. There were years when DeMarcus Cousins made the All-NBA when Rudy Gobert should have. Or there was one year right before everybody started to appreciate Jokic where he didn't make it. He should have. Hell, look at Carl Anthony Towns. Carl Anthony Towns had a phenomenal year this year. He's not going to make All-NBA because they didn't win. He had a phenomenal year last year. He didn't make All-NBA because they didn't win. That shit happens, bro. Like, you play to win the game. And while all NBA honors are not necessarily a team statistic, we all know that of all of the major sports, the one sport that one player can dominate and can will his team to wins. Nobody's saying that the Wizards had to win 62 wins this year. Nobody said that the Phoenix Suns had to win 50. No one said that the Timberwolves had to win 70. But one player does impact basketball in terms of wins and losses more than any other player does in another sport. In fact, the only one that I can think of would be baseball if you have a legit ace pitcher who just cannot be hit. But they only play, what, once every five, six days? So you can have a pitcher who's phenomenal, never gets hit. And he does his job once a week, but it still don't matter. And that's not the case in basketball. 
One player can impact offense and defense. How many players do that in any other sport? Exactly. One player can be so efficient offensively that your offense is unstoppable. Outside of quarterback, no other sport is like that. So, yeah, all NBA honors are not a team award, but team success absolutely should factor in because in this sport, one player can impact team success more so than any sport by a mile. Like I remember Bama's at the beginning of the season. Stephen A. said something stupid talking about the Wizards organization. They had the worst starting lineup ever in the history, and they were going to be the worst team ever. And they weren't. They were not. Again, they didn't have a great season by any stretch, but, and again, it was cut short. But they weren't as bad as people were making it out to be. So if that's the case, then the when people say, oh, well, he didn't win because he was playing with a bunch of bums, well, then which one is it? Because you was mad when Stephen A. was calling them bums and the worst starting five or starting lineup ever and the worst roster ever. But then now, to, to suit your argument, you're like, oh, man, he wasn't playing with a bunch of bums. That's cherry picking. You know what I'm saying? And a person of integrity doesn't do that. Know your position. Make your position. And then argue there. Again, Bradley Beal has put himself in the argument of being an all-NBA player. That is without a shadow of a doubt. And I think he's got just as good of an argument as he to make it as someone would make against him. I'm not confident that Bradley Beal does not make the all-NBA team. But... We also have to recognize, dog, it's been a phenomenal year of basketball this year. And that's without Steph Curry. That's with little, a minimal amount of Kyrie. That's without Clay. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's hard to make the all-NBA team. It's not going to be easy. And just because one, one writer left him off his ballot, does not mean that the world is coming to an end and that people disrespect your organization or your favorite player or any of this other doomsday scenario that I saw on my timeline for a week. Like, just chill. Let the votes play out, and we'll see there. But if he makes it, round of applause. Because it was not, it would not have been easy. And if he doesn't make it, Slim, there's no shame in not making all NBA. And the thing with Brad would be, if he doesn't make it, we know exactly why he didn't make it. So lace him up because so many people are so confident in the way this team and the front office and all this other stuff. Everyone's banking on John Wall coming back. So if he doesn't make it this year, it's because of the team, the lack of team success. So lace him up and then we know what has to happen next year, right? Seems pretty easy to me. I want to hear your guys' thoughts, right? Just because your favorite player doesn't make or doesn't receive an award does not mean that the entire league is out to get you, okay? Like, let's just chill a bit. I think that's possible, right? At least I hope so. But I want to hear from you. Email me at quarterlyreport at gmail.com. Tweet at the show at quarterlyshow. We spell it here, Q-U-A-R-T-E-R-L-E-E show. All right, guys. First quarter is in the books now. Truly one of the more phenomenal stories 
that I can think of. And it 100% only can happen in America and only happen in the world of sports. Smell what I'm cooking. My second topic. Is second if you smell what the rock is cooking. If I were to tell you that the rock was a 2020 version uh athletic muscular version of forrest gump immediately what would be the first thing to come into your mind you'd probably be like man armand's tripping joe what you doing dog what you talking about feel me on this though remember like i'm 37 a lot of you all are around the same age uh if you if you grew up during the quote-unquote attitude era of wrestling like it was just a different time, Joe. Like wrestling was dom professional wrestling was dominating pop culture. Like, I don't know if that will ever happen. I'm from I'm from Richmond. Y'all know this, but for the new listeners, I'm from Richmond. Grew up watching wrestling, like from a little bitty boy, NWA stuff, Southern wrestling, bong bong bong. Then when the WWF blew up, late '80s, early '90s, kind of gravitated toward it. But then at the end of the '90s. Wrestling was like the number, the way they talk about like Hannity and um, Tucker Carlson now. Wrestling, they were doing bigger numbers on cable. They're pulling like sixes and sevens some nights on Mondays. And The Rock was obviously one of the biggest professional wrestlers at that time, has gone on to be one of the biggest wrestlers of all time. But just follow me for a second. If you were like me, you're in high school watching. WWF, give a bama stunners and whatever, whatever. And I remember how shocked I was when I found out that The Rock played for the U. Not only did he play for the U, he won a championship. He was like a he was like a good player. He won. He was The Rock went from being a solid player on one of the more infamous popular college school programs, sports programs in the world to within a decade being one of the biggest wrestling superstars ever. <laughs> that was from 90, early 90s to 2000. From 2000 to 2020, The Rock has not only become the biggest Hollywood star in America, not only has he been uh has his own had his own hbo franchise not only does he have an endorsement deal with under armor the mother not only has people has he been rumored have people thrown his name out into a potential presidential candidate within the next i don't know 10 to 20 years and i don't think that they just pulling that shit out of their ass i actually think the bama has political aspirations whether it's president or not I don't think that they just made that up. And now the man bought the XFL for $15 million with a uh, a joint venture with a company ran by his ex-wife. Dog, who does that shit? Dog, The Rock is the black or, you know, Samoan Forrest Gump. Like, just think about there's no way you would believe in 1998 when 
Stone Cold Steve Austin is driving down a beer truck and, and spraying him and Vince McMahon and Shane McMahon with beer, that this man, uh, that he would be doing this 20 years later. Like, think about it. Wrap your mind around that, man. The motherfucker Rock was doing songs with Wyclef. <laughs> you feel me? Rocky Maivia. It's amazing to me when I think, and again, this, we have our fun, we make our jokes, but it truly is amazing that you can, you can go through this, the Miami, the, you're the son of a, of a wrestler, the grandson of a Hall of Famer, and you go play football and win a national championship at the U. You then make your way into wrestling, everybody hates you initially. You then turn out to be the great one of the greatest wrestlers of all time, and now, the look. I mean, just the, when, when you say it's easy to be like, "Yo, he's he's the Hollywood's biggest star," or whatever, right? Look at the franchises that this man is a part of. He revitalized Jumanji. <laughs> and I, I already, you know, Jumanji, and I, I love the original Jumanji. God bless the dead of Robin Williams. But they flipped that joint. The Fast and the Furious. Y'all know how much I love that, that those films. Anybody who's seen any of the Fast and Furious movies knows when that franchise flipped the switch. Fast Five is the one that kind of just set everything off again. The Rock's first film. They then branched off to make his own version with Jason Statham. The Batman's got God knows how many movies with Kevin Hart outside of the Jumanji franchise. The motherfucker was in Get Short, the Get Shorty, the, the, the sequel, whatever. Like, dog. And then he had his HBO hit. He had an HBO series for years. <laughs> and now the motherfucker's buying the football league from his old boss, essentially. And he bought it off with 10 cents on the $15 million. Dog, the rock could make, you know, the tooth fairy. You know what I'm saying? Again, do it, do another month. I forgot about the mummy movies. He probably the, the amount of time the mummy returns or the, the 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 Scorpion King comes on, Paramount Network or FX, he probably got that joint just laying around, bro. And I, I believe, like, look. We all know the difficulties of a spring football league. We have seen it tried over and over again. And I don't know if this time will be different. I feel as if the XFL may, and again, I'm in D.C. The, the defenders in D.C., they did a phenomenal job in terms of reaching out to the market. They had their own kind of appeal at Audi Stadium. It was it was real, at least in this area, I can't speak to what it was nationwide, but it felt like they made some real progress this time. And then obviously with the pandemic, everything just was shut down. And it was surprising at how fast and the permanent decision to be like, okay, this we're done. That was surprising to me because it felt different this time. And maybe that's just my foolishness, my ignorance, whatever you want to call it. But a fifteen dollar, a fifteen, a fifteen million dollar, excuse me, gamble 
on a known commodity, no matter how successful you think it is, it is known. It's a known entity. Man, that's insane to me. And I've always felt that the XFL or the, the I forget what it was called last year, the other uh, spring football league, that if they took their time, they would be able to see the errors in the NFL's ways and to to cultivate a, a their own little niche. Like it, I don't I don't think a spring football league is out is like something that can't be successful. I really don't. It's just you have to have the patience, you have to have the foresight, and obviously you have to have the players. You're going to have to put a quality pro- product out there. And it seemed as if for a large part, that's what the XFL was doing this year. Again, small sample size, obviously. So who knows what the future holds for The Rock, his ex-wife, uh, Danny Garcia. I want to give her the, the necessary credit. And the, the, the future of this new version of the XFL. No one knows. But like Slim... When I saw this story break last week, I was just thinking to myself, like, yo, what? When is the documentary on The Rock coming out? (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Because there's no way, there's no way if I were to tell you, if I were to jump into the DeLorean and then go back to 1998, 97 or whatever and be like, yo, this is what's going to happen with this guy. Nobody will believe you. And the crazy thing is, it's not that far-fetched to think that this dude, again, has political aspirations and that he would, there's a chance, I'm not, I'm not hopeful, I hope it doesn't happen, right? I hope we have learned from going the celebrity route in terms of being our leader. I hope, I hope we as a country have learned our lesson. I'm not confident on that. But it's not, the crazy thing is, it's not out of the realm of possibility that this dude has some success some success and in political in, in a political future with this country that's either a testament to him or a knock on us as a civilization probably a little bit of both but again if i were to tell you in 97 98 that this was going to be in this man's future you would have laughed how could you not have it's amazing to me it's amazing to me to see what's in this dude, what what this guy has done. My daughter loves the Wyclef song. It doesn't matter. She loves that song, right? My daughter doesn't watch professional wrestling. I haven't watched professional wrestling in years. Like, I I still, like, quote Stone Cold, so I'll, I'll occasionally see an old Stone Cold clip on YouTube. But she has no idea when she watches Jumanji that this dude was a wrestler. She like, and how, how would she? How would she know? When she's listening to the Wyclef song, how could she know that that dude, you know, started off as a wrestler, let alone the fact that this dude was a part of one of the most iconic college football programs ever? This shit is crazy to me, bro. Like, this is straight out of a Hollywood movie. Again, the black Samoan Forrest Gump who could probably body slam you through a building. You know what I'm saying? Like, bro, the motherfucker owns a football league with his ex-wife. 
And man, shout out to the rock, bro. Shout out to the motherfucking rock. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense. But as Don King has famously said, only in America, bro. All right, guys, you have heard the horn. That means we are at halftime this week. The first half is in the books. I want to thank each and every one of you all for rocking with me thus far. A few house cleaning tips or things I want to get to. Make sure you download and subscribe to the podcast, the Quarterly Report Podcast. Make sure you listen to us. Download on Apple, iTunes, uh, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, wherever you listen to podcasts. We are now hosted on the Anchor platform, so check us out there. Download, describe, and if you don't mind, please leave a review. Rate the show and leave a review. Let me, let your friends, let the world know why you rock with the Quarterly Report podcast, all right? All right, so, you know, we talked about The Rock and kind of how wild it would have been to tell the, the late 90s version of yourself that this was what was going to happen in the future with this this man. But that's not the only thing that would have been a complete mindfuck in the late 90s about what would have happened in 2020. Matter of fact, we could have went to 2019, December 2019, and told your past self what was in store in the months ahead of 2020. And it would have been hard. It would have been impossible to fathom what we have lived through for seven and a half months or so, right? So it got me thinking, imagine if we went to the 90s again and told the world what was in store in 2020. Again, no sauce, not sicing it at all. Real things that happened in 2020 that no one in their right mind could have predicted. Conan O'Brien started this way back in the 90s and was a segment he called in the year 2000. And he had no fucking clue what could have been coming down the pike in the year 2020. Take a listen. In the year 2020. In the year 2020. The television show Moesha will make a strong comeback proving to be actually more popular than the show's star, Brandy. On a related note, Brandy's little brother, Ray J, will also be more popular, finding himself as a significant part of pop culture. Scary, I know. In the year 2020! A rapper who once went by the name Titty Boy will go on to battle another rapper, who was discovered to be a former correctional officer. After initially lying about it, the discovery eventually came and went because the former CEO makes that good of music. Seriously, no one cares. In the year 2020. 22 years after its initial release, Disney will update their classic animated film Mulan, but this time using live actors. Unfortunately, due to a global pandemic, the film was pushed back so many times. Disney decided they will charge $30 to let families watch the film in their homes. The exact same film many of them have already seen. In fact, many of these homes own the animated film already, but will spend $30 more to watch live actors instead of the beautiful animations. 
Have I talked to you about the excessive spending in the future yet? In the year 2020! In the year 2020! Again, all of those things that I talked about, obviously, uh, are true, right? Nothing that was added for enhancement, for comedic uh, relief, or anything like that. That's really what has happened this year. Uh, what, seven, seven, month, or seven months in? And there's no way any of us, even if you wanted to go back to The Rock, there's no way any of us in 1999, 1998, late 90s, could have foreseen any of this just two decades later. But you know what? Here we are. C'est la vie. Man, make sure y'all motherfuckers stay safe, Joe. It's wild out here, Joe. Scary hours indeed. All right, guys. That was halftime. Hopefully, you guys enjoyed it. Hopefully, you're enjoying the show thus far. We are halfway through. Second half coming up strong. And this third quarter this week, we're going to talk about kind of following up with the Mulan part of the halftime. A dying industry that... You know what? While everyone is concerned about sports, and rightfully so, dog, this, what we're living through right now, is bigger than just football and basketball and whatever else you like to watch on Sundays in the weekend. It is impacting everything. And for me, someone who loves the movies, it's actually going to impact uh, a part of my life in entertainment that I thought I really, really enjoy, but now understand I want no parts of. It's our third topic this week. Third quarter. So Throughout the pandemic, concerns about quote unquote normalcy and returning to normalcy as it relates to your job, possibly. Uh, your children, school, childcare, um, whatever the case may be, sports in particular here on this podcast, they've been at the forefront of the discussion of, again, this return to quote-unquote normalcy. And a week and a half or so, and, I, and this has been on my mind for a while, but it really came to light about a week and a half ago when, as we talked about in halftime, you know, the Mulan and Tenet movies, respectively, in terms of theaters. Theaters have no idea what to expect, what, how things will move. We touched on this, I want to say, like two months ago when it came to the Trolls new movie. And, you know, I'm a dad of a, of a young child. We watched that film and, you know, there was just all this talk about, yo, I believe it's Warner Brothers, I'm not sure. But whomever the, the parent company, the production company of that movie, they they experienced so much gross from the Trolls movies, right? Uh, exceeded expectations. And the theaters, they were almost as if like, yo, this is a, a declaration of war. And you only get that reaction, right, when it's desperation. And I'm here to say like, dog, you hear the music, it's a hot take of the week, and I don't even know how hot this take is. But I think this is the beginning of the end or the middle of the end. However you want to phrase it, dog, the longevity of the theater industry. And when I say theater, I'm not talking about like, you know, plays and stuff like that. I'm talking about movie theaters. We are in the last days, bro. Ask yourself this question. And I'm talking to my sister this week, my brother-in-law, you know, friends, 
And I'm asking, man, when, when are you going to feel comfortable in a theater? Because, like, I could be outside and I'm not comfortable when there's a large group of people. And we all know what we should do in terms of social distancing, that for therefore and everything like that. And I don't know. Hopefully, if you're listening to this podcast, you also are uh, listening and taking heed to the medical experts. But if you aren't, right, I'll ask you, like, do you feel comfortable in crowds? Because I know even outdoors, I don't feel comfortable, let alone being inside a room with people. If depending on how popular the movie is, people filled up into a room, an in, enclosed in, in room. People buying pop, the people in front of you. Like, you know, you go to the grocery store and the thorough ones, they make sure after every single customer has been helped, they pull out the disinfectant spray and they're spraying. They have their hands with some, some places with two gloves. I don't know if that makes a difference, but at least for me, right, I feel comfortable walking in to a place that is seemingly taking the necessary steps to do anything that they can to keep this thing contain if i go to a movie theater no disrespect but many of the people who would be working there high school kids 16 year old you know trying to get that check you ever been to a 16 year old room i remember my room at 16 years old that shit won't that won't clean that thoroughly so you know every film they're going to go down the aisle every single row and disinfect every seat they go, like, with the popcorn container, you understand what I'm saying? Like, I know, and this is me, I'm not, the movie theater experience is done for me, bro. I don't, I don't want it. I don't want to be in a room full of people. I, dog, before the pandemic hit, I remember people sniffling and coughing, coughing, excuse me, in a theater. And my main concern was like, dog, man, you know, you even if you're not beside me, it's like, shh. I'm trying to hear you. Or if somebody's coughing a lot, I'm like, man, you gonna have to get up out of here. I don't want to get sick. I don't want to get a cold. Now, you know, the stakes are so much higher. I'm not trying to get a respiratory infection or a contagious disease. You understand? And for what? You know, we made fun of Mulan being $30. And for me, the idea of a reimagined film, right? Charging $30 to stay at home to watch it. It's nuts to me. Now we can break it down and be like, yo, if you were to go to the to the movie with your, your family, like take me for example, if I'm going to the movie with my daughter, you know, my ticket's going to be like 15, her ticket's going to be like 8. So we like $23 right there. So, yeah, I'm saving $7, oh, except for the fact that we're going to get some popcorn. We're going to get, you know, she likes the little gummy bears or whatever. I like raising that to the bong. Just like that, I'm over $30. So, technically, you're saving money. And you're in the comfort of your own home for the 30 I just find it odd because, like, if you go to a movie, depending on how successful the film is, it'll be like, what, six months? It then becomes available to own. Well, there's no theaters anymore. So Mulan is going to do $30 and they're going to stream it or whatever. But then how long until it's actually going to be available to own? Like, when is that date coming? Because, again, 
there's not going to be this demand to see it in a theater. The whole construct of the movies is literally teetering right now, man. And again, this idea of normal, we keep on trying to say, hey, we have to get back to normal. We have to try to fight to get back to normal. What I suggest is there is no more quote unquote normal. There's a going to be a new normal, which is the intelligent thing. Dog, I don't know when I will feel comfortable going to the movie theaters. In fact, I'm probably sure certain that it's over for me. And luckily, right, we have the, the technology. We've seen it. Movie companies will choose to directly go straight to streaming services, maybe uh, your cable operators, whatever the case may be. Because, dog, it don't matter anymore. This has been enough. I've seen enough. We're going to touch up on this in the fourth quarter. I don't need to go through this anymore. I've seen enough. I don't know if you all have ever had the, uh, the pleasure to go to Asia or anything like that. But you've seen, if you watch the news, this has been kind of the deal over there in some of those countries for a long time. They've been just wearing masks off rip. Walk down the street. You may see it some, some places if you're in a, a major metropolitan city. People are on a train on a metro station just with masks. Like that's their part of their just their normal routine. And I'm thinking, dog, this probably is going to be my normal routine now. Because I don't trust y'all about me. I don't trust any of y'all. No disrespect. I don't trust the government. So, you know, we're operating now in with this, with this warped idea, like, let's go back to the way it was. And what I'm saying, we are informed individuals. There's no reason to go back. Let's, let's adapt to the new surroundings, to the new environment. And one of the casualties, in my opinion, is going to be the movie industry. You want to take your mask? I mean, seriously, like, when are you going to be comfortable without a mask? Ask yourself that. We have conservative models. Conservative models. Predicting over 300,000 deaths in America before December 1st. Which also causes you a smack dab in the middle of flu season. You're going to be comfortable running around without a mask? God bless you. You feel me? And then you're going to be comfortable to go into an enclosed room with a bunch of strangers. Their masks are off because, hey, they're going to want to eat their popcorn. They're going to want to drink their drink. You're going to go in a restroom and a movie theater? Slim. Dog, honestly, and this is coming from a sports fan, I don't know when I'm going to to go. And I, and I really wasn't the biggest fan of going to sporting events. Though, I always, I never been, I wanted to see a, a big-time prize fight in Vegas. I always wanted to do that. I don't know if that's going to happen anymore, Slim. I've given up on football, going to get football games a long time ago. But basketball, still have love for it. I don't know if I'm going to feel comfortable going. Definitely not going to feel comfortable taking, you know, my, my daughter or my niece. And this is part of the quote-unquote new normal for me. And when I look around and I'm seeing some of the most vulnerable, last week I'm going out to, you know, like I said, it was a um, uh, my, my sister's birthday. So, you know, big week for the family. Took the week off for the pod. And, you know, one of the days we were looking to get something to eat, we go to a, uh, you know, a little neighborhood restaurant. Um, a place that, you know, we, we typically like to eat. 
like to eat there in the city, but obviously no dining, no dining in options are available at this time for good reason. So I go down there to pick it up, you know, about to walk back to, to my sister's home. And you know, I'm seeing, I'm seeing this, this, this local independent restaurant, man. And the owner is handing out the, the to go orders. And I'm just thinking to myself, man, I hope this guy makes it. I hope this local restaurant makes it not just because I love the food. We love the dining there, but just, this is this man's dream. And there's so many local restaurants, mom and pop shops like this. And you just think to yourself, man, can they withstand this? Because number one, we have no idea when this ends. And I don't know how much you guys are reading upon this, but the more and more we learn, the bleaker and bleaker this situation becomes. And I'm not here to, to peddle in fear. I'm here to speak facts. Like, you know, we talked about this a while ago, man. Like this, this entire COVID-19 situation, this entire quarantine situation has truly illuminated just how much of a house of cards our society is built upon. And I'm, I, I'm, I'm hopeful for all these local independent industries, these, these local independent shops, right? These self-owned businesses and these self-owned business people, independent business people. I hope they can withstand this, but I don't know. A lot of these places aren't getting the, the funding, right? That they wanted to kind of stay afloat. And we're just kind of looking around and we're like, we have no end in sight. I don't want to depress y'all. So, you know, let's make some more fun, more jokes about Disney. You know, because this shit is real, dog. Like, it's real out here. So let's, you know, crack some jokes on, you know, Disney. $30. Tenant. Every, like, the, the whole movie industry was banking on one film to rescue them. Right? Because, obviously, they have been hemorrhaging money. There's some industries that, dog, the cruise industry, these motherfuckers ran right back out to sea about a month ago, and Bama's still getting sick. I think it's a wrap. I think it's a wrap. And the movie industry is right next in line. They're starting to pop up drive-in theaters all around the country. Maybe that's the dude. Maybe that's the move. Maybe some people just need to get out the house to watch a film. And that's not me. Maybe that's you. Shout out to you if that's the case. But the fact of the matter is, this idea of normalcy, when it comes to just doing some of your normal everyday actions, we gonna have to check that joint, bro. Because I don't give a fuck if it's Mulan, Tenet, damn Bad Boys Four. It's a wrap for me, Joe. I I don't feel comfortable in an enclosed environment with a bunch of strangers at all. Let alone for ninety minutes to. You understand, 120? Just chilling. Like, think about some of the shit that you've been through. Just recall in your mind some of the movies that you have seen in the theater. And think about some of the shit that you may have seen. That at the time, you may have thought, oh, these kids about, they scream, they talking through the movie, whatever. They do sneezing. This guy yawning. You understand? People have their feet on the chest. Things that, you know, may have been uncomfortable, but you just kind of dismissed because we are, they're so routine. 
They happen so frequently that you have now become accustomed to some of this stuff. Nah, man. I'm not ever trying to be accustomed to this anymore. It's over. Which is nuts because I used to love going to the movies. I still do enjoy it. In fact, this quarantine time has shown more than anything, even more than watching basketball. I still have boxing up high. But even more than watching basketball, it is it is difficult for me to sit in the house and just watch an entire game now. And that's probably because I'm getting older. There's a whole bunch of things I'm doing. You know, sometimes I've been watching the game. Oh, man, I need to clean this up. Oh, man, you know, I have a taste for this. Let me go ahead and cook. Or let me back. You know, just things will pop up. But if I'm watching a movie, especially if it's a good movie, I'm all in. 100% for two hours, I can sit down and lock in. I love the movie experience, but not if it costs my motherfucking health, bro. And I think, I think that's where a lot of us are headed. And it's now up to see how the movie industry adapts. Because we have everything streaming now. It's, a, it's as easy as a click of a button. We have seen it succeed with fucking trolls. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's going gonna, it's gonna to hurt for sure. For sure. They're going to take some off the top. But that's what an evolution is. Some people can adapt easily. And I'm, I'm so interested in seeing kind of what comes from this. You know what I mean? From an ingenuity, from a, from a, a, a visionary standpoint, right? The COVID crisis, this global pandemic has hit us as a society smack dab in the face. Now, what comes out of it? Who are going to be the people to to use this and to and to turn this into a an opportunity, into a, a chance to 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 make revenue or to change the world from a positive standpoint? That type of shit. I get off on that, man. I'm interested in seeing what the positive ramifications we know about the negative ramifications what are some of the positive changes that will happen either from a societal or an entertainment standpoint because of COVID? because i know one thing you're not gonna see my black ass in the movie theater ever <laughs> okay that's a wrap on that but hit me up man i want to hear you guys' thoughts man do you feel comfortable going to a movie theater like when or if you do at what point do you think you will be comfortable sitting in a theater for 90 minutes, for two hours? At what point do you think you will feel comfortable going to a basketball game or a hockey game or, or a game in which you have to be indoors, right? Because outdoors is a, is a bit of a different dynamic, you know? But I want to hear your guys' thoughts on this because, man, I'm tapping out. <laughs> hey, call me lame, call me a sucker, call me whatever the fuck you want to call me, dog. Call me alive. You feel me? Call me healthy. But email me. I want to hear your guys' thoughts. Email the show at quarterlyreport at gmail.com. Tweet at the show at quarterly show or on Twitter. I really want to hear from you. All right, guys. Three quarters are in the books, which means we are down to our final quarter this week. It's our fourth topic. Fourth quarter. Earlier in the show, I teased the topic of LeBron James in the fourth quarter. And I came on to this program, or when I was building out this show, I fully anticipated doing this topic on LeBron James, um, talking about his appreciation, also talking about how he continues to say annoying things when he talked about, uh, you know, no one thought I could do this, 
when everyone essentially thought that the Lakers would be a championship favorite this year. And then life happened. You know what I mean? And then when I say life, I mean the sports world happened. Like real news, real significant topical issues popped up that can push LeBron James if I decide to talk about I mean, my opinion in this topic regarding LeBron can wait until however many weeks away. But of course, as you guys now know, college football is looking like we may not have it this year. And when I say this year, I'm talking 2020. Maybe it's postponed to spring 2021. I know a lot of people have kind of floated that idea. But as it stands now, early August, you have the Ivy League schools canceled, the MEAC, the MAC. Looks like the Big Ten and the Pac-12 now um, have kind of drawn the line in the sand as well. And it's basically now a numbers game. You have two of the Power Five conferences saying, nah, dog, we good. And it's amazing to see how COVID-19 has fully, truly, forced us all to kind of evaluate our position. We as a country, man, we showed our whole ass during these five to six months, bro. And I don't even know what to say. I don't know where the bottom finally hit. When when do we finally hit the bottom? I mean, just think about these last few months and how the goal has essentially just changed. I feel like let me let me just address this the first or initially I should say I feel like you know this is again small podcast over the years some of the emailers the people who have tweeted the show I feel like we have a, a good rapport I feel like if you listen to this podcast now still you have certain similar sensibilities as myself right you you are annoyed of the kind of debate culture the embrace debate sports talk the, the same five, six stories every single day. You know, if you're a basketball fan, you're tired of PPG analysis and clutch gene and all that silly stuff, right? I feel like if you're listening to my podcast, there's a certain level, I don't, I'm not going to say intellect, but you know what I'm saying? Like, we we, we, we we kind of are on the same level. We, we share the same vibe, if you feel me. You know what I mean? So I'm not going to do the thing where before I make a critical statement, I flood the the gates with my love and profess the love my love for America, right? I remember back in leading up to the 08 campaign, presidential campaign. And uh at that time, Senator Obama, he never wore the American flag, you know, uh lapel on his on his suit. Because it was like, yo, we're adults. Just because I don't wear a button does not then mean that I don't love my country. And I was so, it was kind of like refreshing to see a politician just be like, dog, my love for my country is not tied to whether I wear a lapel or not. And naturally he received all types of hate. They said that he was, you know, y'all remember. So then he he buckled down. I was like, yo, I'm just going to pick my fights. This is not a fight worth having. And he started wearing a lapel every single time you see him on television, even now to this day. And it's it's I, while you while I understand why he why he did it, 
it was just another example of us kind of feeding the rabid dog of lunacy in this country. And I'm not going to do it. I love my country, but dog, we have been so fucking dumb as a society, as a country during this epidemic. Period. Remember, it's, it's weird, right? Because the way this year has gone, parts of it have felt slow, like painfully slow. And then other parts have felt like it's flown by. I feel like it was just June the other day. We, we, we're closing in on the middle of August now. They talking about the sunset won't be past 8 p.m. for the rest of the year. Like, y'all know what that means. <laughs> Fall is coming. But it feels like just yesterday almost that when we first heard about COVID and, and, and America shut down and everybody was inside. And man, we did so well for that first month plus, first month and a half. And the numbers bared out. We did a really good job from March to end of April. You know, New York and New Jersey, they were hit hard, obviously, with the the, the population and obviously their uh, senior citizens and their retirement homes. They were really, really hit bad, as many of you all know. But as a country, we were doing really well. We took it seriously and we we made a significant jump in terms of closing this thing off and, and really fighting it. And then around the beginning of May, Memorial Day was around and we just said, fuck it. We're done staying inside. And from that point on, it, it's almost as if we have the focus of a dog, Right? The only thing that matters is whatever is in front of us at that moment. So it was Memorial Day. And then it was, we need to exercise. And then it was, we need to go to Red Lobster or Olive Garden or Applebee's. Or we need to go to the beach. And then real shit happened. Right? Our country also, finally, many of us started to say, yo, what is happening in our country is fucked up. And then we all started to go outside and protest. And while we protest, many of us, right, thankfully, wore masks. And it seems as if there wasn't a lot of widespread, you know, um, virus. The virus wasn't widespread throughout the protest. But we didn't stay inside. Then it was the fourth. Barbecues, beaches, gyms restaurants and then we just said fuck it we started having campaign rallies right people started fighting to wear the masks they couldn't go into walmart without a mask so they started yelling and carrying on and then now just weeks before school is to start now it's oh my gosh we have to get the children in the school we need our children in school it's it's for behavioral reasons, for social reasons. It's it's healthy for the children to be in school. And I agree 100% from a any parent, any parent who has gone through these last five to six months have had the same conversation at some point or another where you're like, man, I just hope that this doesn't hurt them socially. I hope this isn't damaging them emotionally, psychologically, being in the house all the time. We, 
Every single parent, all of us, if you're a parent listening to me right now, I know you've had this conversation. I've had the conversation. And then what happens? You know what? Hopefully, and again, if you're listening to this podcast, I'm assuming that you have the same kind of, you know, vision that I do and prioritize the same thing that I do. You're like, okay, you know what? Yeah, I wish my child could play in in the volleyball league this year or go back to swimming lesson, whatever the case. I wish that could happen. But right now, it ain't really the time. It ain't really the safest time to do so. And every other child is going through it at this time too. The most important thing is to keep everyone in my family and my circle safe. And now, again, we talk about the bad faith actors all the time. The same people who are telling you not to wear a mask. The same people who are talking about how this virus is like the flu. The same people who are telling you, hey, man, herd mentality. This is fine. Are now telling you, yo, we need to get our kids back in schools. We need to get these college kids to play college football. This is what the country needs. Hey, man, this is really simple. Really simple. If everybody knows when school starts, it starts either in August, beginning of September. Every year is the same. If we knew or if we truly felt that school and getting children back into school is so important, which I 100% agree with, then what the fuck were y'all doing going to Applebee's, Slim? It was, it's not hard. If it was that important to you, then what was all of the last four or five months about then, bro? If you are one of the people who are like, man, we have to get our kids in school. It's important. It's good for, for them. It's health. It's a health reason, which again is true. There are obvious health benefits to getting children back into school, back into the actual physical schools. Yes. But if it was that important to you, then why were you running around saying that this is a hoax? Why were you fighting to go into a target without a mask? Why were you doing exercises outside of gyms bad because you couldn't work out in a gym? Man, we showed our whole ass as a country, bro. And now we have so many people. We have politicized everything. And the motherfucker, this so much of this blows me, bro, because so many people have made a career, have built a platform off of, hey, stick to sports. We don't want our sports and politics mixed. Yet at every single turn, those same people are talking about uh, Sean Hannity, are uh, interviewing other senators, are doing all of these, comparing this to the flu, and now are saying, yo, the president is behind Trevor Lawrence. But what happened? You feel me? What happened to the, I don't want to mix my politics and sports. And we know what time it is. We know When people say that, that's a dog whistle. They don't want to hear their black athletes talk about issues that impact the black community often. That's what that is. Because no one in their right mind can be like, yo, I don't like my sports and my politics mixed. And then go down the rabbit hole of saying, yo, let's, like, let's look at all these politicians who are saying that we need our kids back in schools. 
if if again if the goal was to get our children back in school this is something that we should have been working on back in march we shouldn't have had the we shouldn't have fallen off the wagon like we did in may and june and july and august None of that should have happened if we truly cared about kids' safety in schools. If we did. And y'all know it's the truth. These motherfuckers don't care. They want to see their football. And this is what I was talking a few weeks ago. Sports sometimes, we let some of the ugliest things happen in our society under the cover of sports. We are... We are, there are people who are demanding college sports to happen in the middle of a pandemic. Again, I talked about this earlier. There are conservative models that now predict that 300,000 Americans will be dead by December 1st. This shit is insane, bro. And you're going to have these children, children, play college football. <laughs> no one knows the lasting impact of this virus. People were throwing out this herd mentality. Like, this is what everybody should just get it and be done with it. As if, like, this shit is the chicken pox, bro. No one knows what happens. And now the more information that we get, we are now starting to realize, oh, shit, this is really bad. You don't just get over it. You could really be fucked up down the line because of this. Imagine how fucking idiot, idiot, imagine how idiotic, Someone must feel 30 years later and they're having all types of health issues. And someone asks, man, what happened? How did this happen? Oh man, I dog, man, I wanted to go to Applebee's during COVID-19 and I got fucking, and I got it. This is, this is the aftermath of that Applebee's dining experience. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And when I see Trevor Lawrence, uh, make his tweet talking about, yo, we want to play. It's probably safer in our school bubble environment than it is if we were to go home and the medical expenses that we would get would would really significantly hurt a lot of our uh, families as opposed to if we were able to get the top-notch uh, medical uh, care at our schools. And he makes valid points. He truly does. But again, no one cared about college. No one cares about the college athlete. They don't. Because if you did, we would have done the so, the extremely difficult task of wearing a mask, of staying in the house and watching the countless number of, of streaming services, streaming providers that are at all of our fingertips. Oh my God, we would have had to play the new PlayStation game. We would have had to watch The Last Dance or The Office again. Dear how will we survive? We're such a fucking... We, we've become... They tell, what they say, the, the, the greatest generation, right? The generation who fought and lived through the war, world wars. And then we talk about the 60s. A lot of our parents were young and coming up during the 60s that, that was so vibrant, right? That they fought and they had significant change. Like legit impactful change for the better they lived through so much hell but they pushed forward and made real positive substantial change here the fuck we are 
riding the wave of terror and death because we are too good to wear a motherfucking mask, man. What the fuck happened to us? What happened to us? That's the million dollar question, bro. I wish I had an answer. I truly do. But I'm watching around, I'm looking around, and I'm just thinking, man, what the fuck is this? How did we get here? How did we let the fools run everything? Why are we even paying attention to these fools? I said this back, uh, God bless the dead, when Kobe passed, that I was going to fall back from Twitter, and I did. That kind of kind of uh, happened close to, to Lent, and that's what I gave up for Lent. Like, I'm just going to get off of Twitter. And then I just kind of fell back into the same routine. And not to say that I'm not going to ever be on it, but over the last month, I've significantly cut my, my time on Twitter because it's, 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 it's crazy. And, and not just the fools who are leading the charge, but then I see smart people always quote tweeting the fools as if like, you know, you are telling them by bringing rationale and facts into an argument that these people clearly don't care about. They've chosen to live this lifestyle. And I have to think at some point they understand what they're doing. They just don't care because they're profiting off of it. Which makes them even worse of a person. If you were just a fool spewing this dumb shit. That COVID-19 is just like the fucking flu. And if you were just dumb, bomb. You're just stupid. You don't know. You're ignorant. But these people aren't ignorant. They are making a fortune off of off of an emptiness. Something, there's something that is significantly wrong with us as a country, as a society, that so many people can make so much money off of exploiting and pushing the buttons of a, of a, I can't even say a few, a significant number of fools. And we all play into it. Even when you quote tweet, you are then exposing people who may not be familiar with that person because you want to get off a tweet. You want to get some likes. You want to get some retweets. The whole game is crazy, bro. The whole game is crazy. And we are now like <laughs> the fact that it's taking this long for these colleges to be like, yo, Playing football right now is probably not the best idea. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like it took this long to get to that point. And you know what it is. It's not because, again, they don't care about the players. They don't care about the kids, the young men and women. You know what they care about? Their bottom line. They don't want to get sued, bro. And I, it's the same thing that happened in the NCAA tournament, bro. John Hopkins, whatever. Like They were the first to, like, you know what? We're not going to participate. Then it was the Ivy League schools, and then little by little, it was a little trickle. All of these schools was like, you know what, we're done. And then the Power Five conferences were like, okay, yeah, we got to shut down. The hospital school, the Ivy League, the smart schools, and then little by little, everybody, the schools who don't need the money, the schools who don't make a lot of money, so it's not like they're, you know, that they're, they're, they have an agenda because they're not making any money. And look at how it has happened with college football. The medical school, the Ivy League, the smart schools, nah, we're not doing this. All the small schools who probably don't make that much money, yeah, we're not doing this. 
And little by little, I, I feel like like the lawyers got involved and the medical experts for these big schools got involved. Like, hey, man, we cannot. We don't know. Like, it should scare all of us that all of these big time schools who need who make so much money off of college football are starting to be like, you know what? This is bad. And I got to feel like it's partly because they can't. The, the liability issues, but then also they are seeing something in this virus from a lasting impact perspective to make you think like, you know what? This could be really, really bad. So couple those two things together and it's like, nah, we're not going to play. That's just scare all of us. And if we had any bit of decency, any bit of integrity as a country, the fucking fools who keep on spewing this dumb shit, they would be like, okay, you know what? I was wrong. But hey, that doesn't happen in sports talk radio, right? That doesn't happen in sports talk, period. No one ever says that they were wrong. You just got to keep on fighting for the lie. Move the goalpost. Change the uh, perspective. Because heaven forbid you're wrong about something. Let alone wrong about something that is killing people a thousand a day. Yo, what are we doing? What are we doing? I love sports. I love sports just like I'm sure you love sports. If you're listening, again, if you're listening to this show, you got to love sports. And we like to have fun here. We like to make jokes. We like to crack jokes. We like to talk about, you know what I'm saying? We all like to have a good time. But, dog, sometimes you got to stand up and you got to be a grown-up and be like, yo, that was fun. But with this right here, this shit is all fucked up. And that's exactly what we're doing right now, man. Every time you look around, you're just like, yo, again, how did we get here? How is this our reality right now in 2020? How? God damn, man. I hope I, I hope some of y'all have an answer for me, because if you do, I am all ears. Thank you for being all ears as I had to get that off my chest, you know? We can talk about every other radio show. Every other television show is going to talk about LeBron. My, you know what? I'm good. If I don't talk about LeBron for the rest of the year, I'll be okay. And I'm sure you will be as well. I want to thank each and every one of you all for rocking with me this week. Remember, if you want to get in contact with the show or yours truly, make sure you email the show at quarterlyreport at gmail.com or tweet the show. At Quarterly Show, again, Q-U-A-R-T-E-R-L-E-E Show. I greatly appreciated that. Head on over to I, uh, Instagram, IG. I'm back on there, putting up some content for you all out there. Hopefully, you guys will appreciate it. Again, Quarterly Show or Quarterly Report on Instagram, Q-U-A-R-T-E-R-L-E-E Show or Report. And make sure you head on over to iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, wherever you listen to pod. Download, subscribe, and if you don't mind, rate and review the show would greatly appreciate that all right everyone thank you so much for rocking with me this week and i will see you back here next tuesday on the quarterly report make sure you guys stay safe wash your hands and wear a motherfucking mask bro all right i'm out